Hi there, how are you? I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. Um, so, like Craig said, this is not my favorite place to be. I prefer to leave the preaching to the experts. I would much rather come down there and give each of you a really big hug and then sit down and have a heart-to-heart -heart conversation. That is so much more in my lane. So, I may not be a great speaker, but I have a great God who we just heard about. What a beautiful worship set. And he has done great things in my life, and I am so thankful. So, I do want to just share my story tonight, and I hope to give honor to God because of what he's done, and maybe encourage you tonight. So I was born in snowy Buffalo, New York in 1958 to an unmarried young woman, and I was placed for adoption. I was in a hospital orphanage for three months before my adoptive family chose me and took me home. They were unable to have biological children, so I was their first child. My mom was a nurse and my dad was a building contractor. So when I was three years old, my parents told me that I was going to have a baby brother, and I was so excited. So we took my first airplane ride, and we flew from Buffalo to Prince Edward Island, Canada. Yes, that's the home of Anna Green Gables. And we checked into a hotel, and shortly afterwards, a woman came to our room with an eight-month-old baby boy. And she left him with us. And my parents introduced me to my brother, Matt. So as a three-year-old, I just assumed that that was how everybody got their babies. You flew on a plane, you went to a hotel room, and they bring you your baby. Any mamas out there like that plan? Not long afterwards, my mother explained to me that my brother and I were adopted. And she said... There are babies in the world who need mommies and daddies, and mommies and daddies. I wasn't emotional all day when I practiced this. <laughs> um, that don't have babies, and so God brings them together to make families. Well, that made perfect sense to me. So growing up, I never felt angry or deprived or resentful about being adopted. I actually felt unique, and I was kind of proud of the fact. I mean, anyone could come into a family the normal way, but I was adopted. I was chosen. Later in life, when I understood more, I also felt so very thankful that whatever the reasons were, that my birth mother didn't feel that she could keep me, that she did not end her pregnancy, but she gave me life and made the difficult choice to place me for adoption. I say this knowing that there are women in this audience who have made the difficult choice to end a pregnancy, and I'm not here to judge you, and neither is God. He is so full of mercy, love, and compassion. But I do know that this choice does often leave women with a lot of emotional pain, and we have had a group here at Grace for many years called Surrendering the Secret. And it is just a safe place where women can share their story and find healing and peace. So if this speaks to you this evening, I just want to encourage you to reach out to our beautiful ministry and find out more about this group. So back to the story. 
I was also so grateful to my adoptive parents for accepting me and loving me. Isn't adoption really the most amazing and beautiful concept? I love how often the Bible talks about us being adopted by God. So my family, growing up, sporadically, we attended a formal traditional church, and we were the proverbial Christmas and Easter Christians. I then did the classes and participated in my first communion and confirmation. And while these exercises did um, just expose me to the concept of Jesus, and I was so grateful for that, but I remember thinking as a young girl that if God actually existed, he would be so much bigger than what I was experiencing. So maybe he actually didn't exist at all. By the time we moved to Tampa, when I was 13, we had stopped going to church altogether. And intellectually, I just began to reject the notion of God, deciding that I was agnostic or maybe even an atheist. While my parents loved us very much, they had a lot of challenges in their marriage. My father could be demeaning to my mother and on occasion even physically abusive. And my mother began to drink more and more heavily. There was so much turmoil and tension in our home. So during this difficult time for me, a friend in high school named Martha began to talk to me about Christ. And she was so different. She was a very brave teenager because I would debate with her about God. And you can ask my husband, I'm a really good arguer. And I let her know that I thought faith was illogical and weak. And I let her know that I didn't need anyone to control my life, that I could do that on my own. Our discussions would leave us both in tears of frustration because we really loved each other, but we could not come to terms on this issue. So she would invite me to church over and over, and I continually refused her for over a year. Then, in the spring of 1976, Martha and I and two other friends went to spring break. Now, don't get nervous. They were all Christians, and I was a nerd. So spring break for us consisted of the four of us and my dad's truck bed camper at Fort DeSoto Beach. We couldn't have gotten in trouble there if we tried. Martha and the other girls decided that they wanted to go back to church on Sunday from the beach. And I just thought it was so ridiculous that they couldn't miss just one Sunday. But they insisted there was some special musical that they just wanted to be there for. So I was very annoyed, but I also didn't want to be left at the beach by myself. So I said, fine, I guess I'll go to church with you. That very Sunday, I met one of Martha's really cute cousins there at church. So I decided, hmm, maybe I will go back to church. And you thought Craig was the only one that was lured to church by a pretty face. The church was different than what I'd experienced before. And so despite my fierce resistance, I began to hear the gospel and just see a different view of a loving God. And the Holy Spirit began to do a work in my heart. And I finally surrendered and accepted Jesus into my life shortly after my high school graduation. And as one of my favorite worship songs says, and they were so sweet to play it for me today, Reckless Love, 
Even when I had no interest in him, when I was his enemy, Jesus chased me down. He fought till I was found. There's no shadow he won't light up, no mountain he won't climb up coming after you. There's no uh, uh, mountain he won't climb up and lie he won't tear down coming after you. And so I just became passionate about Jesus because that's how I felt. Psalm 2710 says, though my mother and father forsake me, the Lord will receive me. And this became one of my treasured life verses. So just three months later, this handsome, curly-haired, bold party guy at work started flirting with me, and he invited me to the local club. Some of you have kind of heard a little bit of this story. And as I told him, absolutely not. But you could come to church with me if you'd like to. And so he did. And within a few months, Craig had also accepted Christ into his life. So we began to date, and I started nursing school at USF. But after about a year, I realized that Craig had absolutely no idea what he wanted to do with his life. That's really hard to imagine now, isn't it? So I broke up with him, and I told him I would never marry him. But the Lord has his own plans, doesn't he? And I thank God that he doesn't always listen to us and let us have our way. And so Craig and I got married. (laughs) He looks so happy there, doesn't he? (laughs) Shortly afterward, we began in the ministry as youth pastors of seven teenagers under Pastor Dale and Kay Brooks in Temple Terrace, Florida. And we served there for 13 years and experienced a move of God in our youth group high places. We were ministering to up to 400 teenagers at one time, and this was back in the 80s when that was mostly unheard of. So then in 1994, we began to feel that the Lord was leading us to start a little church in North Tampa area. So we subleased some space from a jazzercise on Gunn Highway, and the Grace Family Church journey began. Pastor Dale and Kay encouraged and supported us, and they are on staff with us today, 40 years later. And our Temple Terrace campus is the original church that they founded. And we're so grateful for Dale and Kay and the heritage we have and the full circle of our ministry and years together. Sadly, my adoptive parents eventually divorced, and then my sweet mother passed away from alcoholism when I was just 27 with two small babies. She had become a shell of herself, and her drinking and all that goes along with that had been very hurtful in our relationship. But I loved her to the end, and I grieved the loss of so much. About 10 years later, I began to think about searching for my birth mother. And while I never resented being adopted, as you can imagine, there were things that I wondered about, such as, did I look like my birth mom? Did I have her personality? Where did I get this spunkiness? What was my medical history? And I did wonder if she ever thought about me. As a child, I had always just innocently thought that my birth mother made her decision and moved on with her life. But as an adult, I now realized it probably wasn't that simple, that maybe she did think about me and might be open to meeting me if I could find her. 
So I had had a closed adoption in, in New York. It was some of the toughest adoption laws in the country, and getting information was nearly impossible. And this was before personal computers. Now, I know none of you young people can even imagine an era like that, and I know nobody out here thought that I was that old. Um, I also was very busy with children and ministry, and I didn't have a lot of extra time or money, and I was nervous. I didn't really want to sign up for more rejection or difficulty. So I just prayed, Lord, if it's your will, I pray that you help me find my birth mom. And in his goodness, with just little miracles all along the process, when I was 38 years old, and just one year after Craig and I had started Grace Family Church, I found my birth mom, Sherry. And so began two amazing journeys of seeing God's unfolding continuing plan in my life, developing a relationship with my birth family and developing and growing Grace Family Church. And it was such a blessing to find my birth mom. She just passed away in January of 2020 after 25 years, almost to the day, of me having the privilege of getting to know and to love her. But although I had begun my, ser birth, uh, my search for my birth mom, thinking that it was about me and all the things that I wondered about, I quickly and very strongly realized after meeting her that it might not be about me at all. Maybe it was about her. Because, see, my mother was very apprehensive when she found out that we were pastors because she had carried so much shame and guilt about what had happened with me. But our reunion enabled me to share with her the grace and the forgiveness of Christ and as she absorbed that, as well as experiencing the loving welcome of my Christian community, she was released of that burden of 38 years. I also found that I had three half-sisters, just a bit younger than myself. And over the years, I have been able to gently share my faith with them as well. What if it was all meant for them? The Lord showed me one day that my story had parallels to Joseph's in the Bible, who was separated from his family. Um, then he, and he went through many, many trials and tribulations. And then he was brought full circle back to his family to forgive and to minister to them. Genesis 50.20 says, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. God brought Joseph to his important position in Egypt in order to save his family and ultimately the whole nation of Israel from famine. And I am continually humbled and marvel at how he has brought me to the place that I am in today and how he has used Grace Family Church as one of the avenues in this community for the spiritual salvation of many lives to his honor and glory. He plucked me out of my family of origin. He placed me in a loving adoptive home, brought me from Buffalo to Tampa, led my friend Martha to tell me about Jesus, and then placed Craig in my life, who was also radically transformed by Christ. He later used us to start and pastor Grace Family Church that I believe he had in mind from the very beginning. 
What if just one of these pieces hadn't happened? Psalm 139, 16 says, You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Priscilla Shire says it like this, Our lives really are like a box containing all the pieces of a giant jigsaw puzzle, and only God can see the picture on the lid. He alone has a grasp of how of the entire layout and how all the pieces are supposed to come together exactly as he planned. So just a year ago, at the age of 62, I had the blessing of being able to discover yet another amazing piece of this puzzle. So I had searched for my birth father 20 years ago, but had unfortunately not been able to find him before he had passed away. But I learned at that time that he had one sister, my aunt Charlene, who lived in Indiana. So she had told me over the phone a little about my birth father, and he had, she had sent me some pictures, which was really cool. Um, and... But I didn't actually get to meet her until last fall. And I had always told people that I didn't have a strong Christian heritage like a lot of pastors do. But in finally meeting my aunt, she shared with me that not only was she a Christian, but that she and her father, my grandfather, knew that I had been placed for adoption and had been praying for me all of their lives. She also shared that her husband and her had been heavily involved in the planting of Calvary Chapel churches at their very beginnings during the Jesus movement in California all throughout the 60s and 70s. I was absolutely dumbfounded. There had been people praying for me all along and they were church planters. God is so good and he is so amazing. So I believe that just as in the life of Joseph, the Lord sometimes uses a winding path to get us to where he needs us to be for what he wants to accomplish. And that doesn't mean our journeys are without challenges or difficulties along the way. Look at Joseph's life. Before he became the second in command of the civilized world, he was mocked, thrown into a pit, sold into slavery by his brothers, falsely accused, imprisoned, and forgotten. But throughout his very painful and uncertain journey, the Bible says, the Lord was with Joseph. It says it over and over, the Lord was with Joseph. God didn't lose track of him. He didn't leave him alone. When we are in our darkest days, stuck in hopelessness, and I've been there, it is so hard to understand or believe that God is in it, that God is with us, that there is a purpose in our pain, that there is growth happening and character building that is preparing us for the future positioning that he has in mind. It can be hard to believe that no matter the situation surrounding our birth, our background, our screw-ups, that he knew us while we're being knit together in our mother's womb, and he planned us, and he loves us, and he sees us. John 1, 12 through 13 says, To all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. 
When we are in Christ, we are so much more than the product of the desire of the flesh or the will of a man. We are born of God. You are not an accident or unwanted. You are not damaged goods. You are not insignificant, washed up, disqualified, or abandoned. God is a God of redemption. And that big religious word just means that he buys us back. He clears our debt. He washes away our sin and our shame. And he rescues us and he exchanges the old for the new. And he gives incredible meaning to our lives. One of my greatest privileges over the years to this day is to witness the transformation of people that walk into this church feeling broken and battered and feeling many of the things that I've just shared. And I see them blossom and grow under God's nurturing, tender care into leaders and even pastors and people of strength and dignity. Every one of you have an important mission and you are needed by God. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's handiwork, creating in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. I look at my brave high school friend, Martha. She impacted one person, and because of that, she impacted a whole city. You young people out there, don't despise your youth. The Lord wants to use you especially to make a difference in a hurting and very confused world. Who is it that you're impacting? Who knows what that one child in clubhouse or zone or united where you are serving is going to do for God one day? Or what about that one lady in beautiful or man in courageous that you are mentoring and encouraging? Who knows what they're going to do? And what about the legacy that you're creating for your children? Who knows who they're going to become or what they are going to do for the Lord one day? He has great purposes for you personally and for those that you touch. So don't underestimate the power and plan of God in your life. He has always used the most unexpected, unqualified people to accomplish the most extraordinary things. we're testament to that. So God knows the beginning and the end, and he's created a pathway for all of us to be exactly where and who he needs us to be at just the right times to touch people that only you can touch. You and I may not rule a nation like Joseph, but we are influencing leaders in a thousand ways to our families, our community, our coworkers, classmates, neighbors, and friends. And you too have a part to play in God's epic story. So wherever you are along this journey, even if you presently find yourself in a pit or in a prison in your life, I pray that you can look up and know that the Lord is with you and believe today that he has more for you than you could ever think, dream, or imagine, and that this is not the end of your story. Or maybe you don't have the relationship with God that you would like, and you've never experienced the hope or understood the, the uh, hope and the significance that your life can have. Romans 8.15 says you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba, Father. 
So you too can choose today to be adopted and know him as your father. And you can also know that you are chosen. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts today. Touch the lives of every person in here. We love you so much and we are so thankful. Thank you so very much.